Hello, thanks for downloading the Manchester Football Social. I'm Niall, We've got Jay and got Stephen in the studio. Good Hello. show, that. Good, good show. Wasn't it? Enjoyed it. Was, yeah. Lots of interesting talking points. I can't wait for people to realise why United should be running out to Slipknot songs. <laughs> yeah. I, that is, uh, is a twist. United fans will be listening to this now. I'm not here. The podcast's getting angry. Like, why is that City fan saying that? But all will become clear. There's it's not as bad as you think. Logic to the madness yes. of that. But, I'm yeah, actually a closet Slipknot fan. So, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I quite enjoyed well, it. You're not in the closet anymore. It's out. It's all everyone. Only in podcast land, of course. Thanks for downloading. Enjoy the show. Manchester Football Social. Hello, this is the Manchester Football Social, your platform to have your say on your team. So whether you're red or blue in this great city, we've got you covered. Loads to chat about on the show. David De Gea, he's dropped yet another clangor for Manchester United. What is going on? Did his mistake against Chelsea effectively cost United a top four spot? Is it time for him to be dropped by Ole Gunnar Solskjaer? And from one player in pretty dreadful form to a player at the top of his game and reaping the rewards for it at that... Manchester City's Raheem Sterling, who was awarded PFA Young Player of the Year and the Football Writers Association Player of the Year. But will the Blues season be a flop if they don't defend their Premier League crown? Let us know what you think. You can call 0345 treble 1 7625 and the text number is 87711. But if Twitter's your thing, at MCR Footy Social is the place to go. Here to defend his corner from full-time Devils from the red half of Manchester, it's United fan Jay Motti. Evening, mate. Evening, mate. You okay? I'm very well, yeah. Looking forward to tonight's show. And flying the flag for Manchester City, we have blue supporter, esteemed company, a.k.a. Stephen McInerney. I still love every time you say them, but thank you. Um, I'm looking forward to tonight's show. It's going to be good. Um, I'll hear from some City fans about, uh, basically, if Sterling should have won the PFA Player of the Year. And how nervous are you about the last two games? Because I've had a very uncomfortable weekend, I'm not going to lie. I mean, oh, it should be great. My, my heart bleeds know, yeah. for you, Steve. Well, is me. How'd you cope? How did I cope with relegation season <laughs> It doesn't really make any sense. Have you got any nails left? Uh, um, <laughs> He's been chewing them. I've been growing them out to chew, basically. He's been yeah. chewing them out all weekend. <laughs> I also want to know tonight something a little bit left field. If you could change your club song to anything in the world, what would you change it to? And if you're wondering why I'm asking, <laughs> take a listen to this. That's the Minnesota United fans belting out Oasis Wonderwall. The MLS club have adopted it as their official club song. But if you're sick of the Stone Roses and bored of Blue Moon, what would you have blasting over the PA instead? That's what we're asking you. So to get in touch, those details again, 0345 7625 to call us. The text number 87711. And on Twitter, it's at MCR Footy Social. But let's crack on and start with the blue half of Manchester. Come on. Manchester City. Burnley was stubborn, but City found a way through. Steve, it's getting closer. We always do. Uh, we've got to do whatever it takes to quote a, a, quote a big blockbuster movie around the moment. Um, it's really, really nerve-wracking. Um, I was so, so anxious about this game. I was very hungover, actually, on Sunday. So I was thinking the idea of like, dealing with uh, a defeat or even a draw would felt like a loss uh, was just too much to take. But um, in the end, it's weird. When you're in a game and you live it, it feels like the worst thing in the world and the anxiety. And then you sit back at full time and that you think, actually, we battered them. It was only 1-0, but they had no shots on goal. We had loads of chances. Uh, I guess it was just inevitable eventually. But during that experience... Um, there was so many kind of like little kind of glimpses of what could happen if we didn't win it. It felt so nervous because you know we're so close now. Like we're so close from 
Um, the tightest title race uh, in a long time, I would say. It feels that way anyway. Uh, probably since actually City's Liverpool won uh, a few years back with the um, the Gerard slip. So it's probably the title, the closest one since then. Um, and it's just really, really horrible if we're being honest it's a very horrible but once again we saw the resilience of the, some of the players and the tenacity and the work rate uh, and it really does speak volumes about how focused they are at the moment and I think Guardiola is kind of right to say that uh, if you didn't know Guardiola said at the weekend that he's really proud of his team now whatever happens because we've taken so many points over these past two seasons the point is like can you really deem and we'll go into this later but can you really deem this team a failure either way given how good they've been <laughs> Jay can <laughs> Jay can he's smiling away but, well, he I'm, can't you know, pipe up <laughs> I feel like I'm through the looking glass here because it's like Raheem Sterling's the, the, the darling of the press <laughs> David De Gea's dropping clangers yeah, yeah, so it's not rampant right. it's just like what is, what is the world coming the world's to? turned upside down yeah but it? I will clarify one thing because I saw some reports that, that Aguero's goal was met with Cheers at, at Old Trafford. Was that not true? No, I mean, for starters, no one was in the ground an hour <laughs> yeah, before kick off. Well, no one was ever in the ground. Eagerly waiting in the grass castle. Especially when they saw those clappers. I'm going to guess. I'm going to guess. Yeah. The people in the ground against the world at the moment, you know, fancy. It's not going to be like, oh, just get there an hour early. <laughs> yeah. Surely. Yeah, it's bad enough getting there for kickoff. So, um, but there was, I was in hotel football and one woman it clapped. And she did get like that'll do. She did get a few dirty looks, but I can, <laughs> it was more a sense of sort of there was more a collective sort of few <laughs> rather than yay City have scored because it's you know it is a horrible season for us, but it's the the lesser of two evils. The margins though of that Aguero goal, twenty nine point five millimeters over the line. Manchester City's official Twitter account did a tweet earlier on oh, shots from, fired. from the Liverpool game from back in January where John Stones cleared it off the line. The Liverpool... 11 millimetres. 11 millimetres. That could be the difference between well, winning the Premier League this season and not. Well, it's the difference between a goal and not a goal. So essentially that's the end of it really, isn't it? It's like a, they didn't go over the line, didn't cross it. I mean, football, I guess there's been loads of situations where you could turn around and say, well... Uh, handball would have made a difference or Mahrez putting that penalty in could have made a difference there's always moments and it is kind of funny that we've had two examples of the goal decision system being so uh, crucial but you know it, it went over the line that's genuinely all matters and I think we were going to score anyway to be honest because at that point we had something like 15 shots in about 10 minutes we were absolutely peppering the goal so I, I do hate this whole tempt of fate thing and I, I think of me though is I hate this idea that you can jinx it I, I just this drives me mad. If you tweet anything on Twitter, like vaguely positive, you get about 15 people going, you've jinxed it. It's like, it doesn't exist. There's no such thing as magic and all that kind of stuff. Oh, no, no. <laughs> this does not slip. Yeah. He's not superstitious. <laughs> this thing's, uh, okay, it does exist for that reason. Alone, it's yeah. funny. But the thing's I said that every single day that you don't remember because it never happens. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, essentially, yeah. like, City can tweet something and you go, you say it before and then you forget five minutes later. I must admit, even though a cynic like myself it says that that kind of stuff doesn't exist, I still did roll my eyes when I saw that tweet. Mainly because I knew it would make the whole City fan base collectively groan, roll their eyes. Uh, and it did. It's made its way onto the radio show, which says it all. So, like, it's just <laughs> yeah. football. They're doing summer right then, the marketing people there. Yeah. Uh, they got us in. It's become a. Uh, they what they should have done is put Klopp's face on the ball and Liverpool one. That would have got some numbers, wouldn't it? I'll tell you what, we, we actually <laughs> had a discussion what. in the Manchester Football Social Office about who was going to put Jurgen Klopp's angry face on the ball as oh. it was 11 millimetres from being over the line. Uh, we, we decided final day of the season. It. We decided against it. I'll tell you what, though, <laughs> you, you talk about Manchester City possibly being a failure, and we'll go on to the points. <laughs> tally um, after this but Raheem Sterling you can't deny that he's been absolutely outstanding this season yeah. and now he's getting the awards to show show for it 
I've got friends who uh, put on uh, money for Van Dijk to win at the start of the season because they just knew regardless, you know, there's going to be a big kind of swell of positivity towards him. But um, even being honest and not wearing my blue hat, I think Van Dijk is a fantastic player and, you know, he could have gone either way there. Um, the Football Writers Award for Sterling is weird. I'm sending a is tinge it ironic of, in a I'm way? sending a tinge of guilt there. Yeah. And the, you know, big time. The, the, they definitely, you know, the, I'm not they, saying he doesn't deserve it, but there's, he, he there, does, there, yeah. is, there and, is a tinge of I, guilt there. And I guess from the Football Writers Association kind of perspective, the off-the-pitch stuff should probably matter more because they're meant to take in the whole, you know, I guess they can, they write about these stories, so they should be aware of the bigger picture in general and probably have more of a reason to take that into account. Um, but it does feel like, um, you know, they protest too much, you know, like they're trying to please everyone. Um, but he does deserve some recognition. So I guess it's really nice, given everything that's going around Sterling at the moment, that he's a positive influence from the game, both creatively and in terms of entertainment, in terms of what he brings off the pitch. Yeah. Um, it's great to see someone like him being held up for the right reasons. And I think if anyone deserved that, he did, because he was genuinely bullied, like, like, to the point where it was almost sordid, you know? It like was, a, it was yeah. that bad. That yeah. I, as a United fan, was sticking up for a City <laughs> yeah. player yeah. who yeah. used to play for Liverpool. It got to the point it where was even like, if you Liverpool yeah. fans did, like, and I don't it feel was, them, but it even was if, pretty shocking. It, the, the sort of the volume of it yeah. and some of the stories were just it, they were beyond parody you couldn't it, yeah. you tried to make up a fake Raheem Sterling story it wouldn't have been as ridiculous as some of the <laughs> Raheem Sterling goes well, to the shop his and, Ra- Raheem, for and the language the language used as well for me there was racist Conversations there, it was yeah, bling playing this, up to a stereotype and, yeah, that yeah, playing sure. at this cocky like black youngster. This stereotype and I didn't like that. You saw in the nineties and twenties, you would have been directed to like hip hop stars or whatever. Yeah. But I feel like the extension of that's become footballers with the money, mm. so they essentially mm. put it on young black footballers instead. Yeah. And the words. Um, it's weird because you think were they necessarily intended to be racist or were they playing on racist stereotypes and like is that racist and it's, I think in general they knew what they were doing and that's bad yeah. that's even worse because there wasn't even naivety to it it was like but either way going back to the actual focus of Sterling it's like I don't even want to use the word redemption because there's no redemption to have in the first no, place no. but like, it feels like it's come full circle for yeah. him now and it feels like he's actually getting the credit as well for his contributions on the pitch the goals and assists so, he gets do you know what here's like, one for you then here's on. one after what we've just been talking about just there do you think that off-field actions should be considered in terms of deciding an award because for me Raheem Sterling deserves that award from what he's done on the pitch this he season does. he's been absolutely outstanding I think it's called footballer of the year it should be focused on the football but yeah. there's no denying about what he's had to deal with outside of the football pitch this season so do you think that has played a part oh. in these writers minds when I think they in come general, to decide on Sterling getting the award well you've got to consider the fact that as well I mean it shouldn't be any, any it shouldn't matter in a way in terms of if we lived in a perfect world it wouldn't matter because we wouldn't have to talk have this conversation in the first place but the fact that we're having it suggests that it is an issue and it suggests that he's probably had to play under more pressure than pretty much anyone like, mm. I've been at away grounds where or seen away fans booing him like for no reason you'll get random like, some, supporters yeah well, random yeah. supporters with no team with links to the ball yeah. like, you'll get Burnley yeah. fans and yeah. you'll get like uh Jay rolling his eyes there. You'll get like fans <laughs> yeah. in like Watford or whatever. Yeah. Just uh, random uh, yeah, teams. I've, I've seen, I know where you're coming from because I don't know as well. Sometimes the England thing can, can have a, an effect. Yeah. And I remember Rooney and Beckham people out used to get a lot of stick. Yeah. Okay. But, I know, but I know there is, there's something a bit more sinister when it comes to Sterling. But then essentially you realise he's had to play with that wave of expectation and that focus. Um, he didn't want any of that as well. He had to play with that on his shoulders. And I guess football changes because of what happens to its players in terms of like there'll be things that happen now in football as a result of what Stirling's gone through uh, so the game itself will change and he's a footballer and he's involved in the football world so even though it shouldn't have to matter maybe what happens around him 
we'd almost be denying him compassion and our humanity to ignore it, I would say. And I think it's probably fair to consider it. I, I would understand if... Um, if there was a one huge standout candidate, like I think Salah last year, you know, I, I still think De Bruyne was probably better, but you could argue that, you know, he had like the most goals and that kind of stuff and he scored 40 odd, whatever. If he's a really strong candidate, yeah, maybe you don't need to consider it. But when it's that close to Van Dijk and Sterling as it is, maybe it helps. And it's good to see a United fan getting some accolades as well. Um, <laughs> a fellow United fan. I think uh, he's supporting uh, everyone. <laughs> a don't try and dilute it, right? He's, he's a Stratford Ender. A, a 24-year-old. was a City fan when I was a kid. A 24-year-old United fan at that, and he wins Young Player of yeah. the Year. Does that this need to change? Chestnut. That needs to change, doesn't it? I don't want to wear a tin hat, but it does feel funny that people are bigging this up when Harry Kane and Hazard have won it at the same age. You know, like no one, Bale won it at 23, and no one was bothered then. So it's funny they're having it now. Maybe it's because it's Mil- Milner won it at 32. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't. I mean, no, it is silly. Yeah. It's silly. Just make it so they have to be 21 by the end of the season. It's weird, isn't it? Because he's played seven really was like. In his seventh season, yes, yeah, and was getting thing. nominated for Young Player of the Year. March 2012 was Sterling's debut. March 2012 for Liverpool. Seriously, uh, and he's had like nearly 50 caps for England. And like, uh, he's a, in the category by the age parameters. It's not his fault. He deserves to win it yeah. within the parameters. But the parameters are a bit. But that's, silly, that's like, like let's yeah. just say in six, five seasons' time, Phil Foden wins the award, and he's still young player. He'd be 21, 20, or, No, actually, he'd be 23. Yeah, it'd be crazy. Yeah, it would like, be ridiculous. He'll win so it then, yeah. Definitely needs to change. How about then, Steve, if Manchester City, let's just say they don't win the Premier League and maybe things come unglued at Wembley and they don't win the FA Cup. Is that a failure on Pep Guardiola's part? So if they don't win the league and the FA Cup? If they don't win the league, even if they don't win the league, let's just say, if it does end up being the two trophies this season, which is is great. To win silverware is what you're in football for, in my opinion. It's what the fans want. But with the position that City were in, being up for a quad as recently as a couple of weeks ago, to then perhaps only win one or two trophies or I know the treble's still on but you know it, would that be a failure on Pep Guardiola's part in your opinion? It's such a layered question because you know there's nothing as binary as yes or no in this because I think there's certain bits where we go yeah of course it would be um, there's certain bits you go well we, we never were going to win the quad in the first place like if you, I've, I've maintained that since day one and Guardiola's maintained that since day one so it's like an expectation has been raised that we never were really you know expecting to happen but also um yeah, it's fair to say at the same time City have been brilliant I mean the best team and the brilliant like not the best team but a team that plays brilliant doesn't always get what maybe they feel like they deserve and just because they don't get that it doesn't mean that team individually collectively should feel like they've let anyone down mm. if that makes sense yes it will be disappointing because um, it, we would have been so close to it but at the same time honestly and I'm saying this from my own sanity we'd have to say well, well done Liverpool because they would have had 98 do, points Do, do, do you which, think Steve I mean this might sound crackers my mates were talking we were watching before the United game watching the uh, hotel football watching the Burnley City game yeah. he made a point I think he's got a point City have almost been underrated almost by a lot this season because it's all the talk has been about Liverpool even now we're talking if City don't win it how it's Liverpool uh, sorry, if Liverpool win it, like, you know, it's it's all down on Liverpool and City have capitulated or whatever. This doesn't seem to, it's almost like the narrative for me just seems to be so predominantly about Liverpool. It's almost like you've done this phenomenal achievement. What is it, 98 points you can finish with? And I don't, I don't know, it just Whoa. seems a bit weird. It seems like all the talk has been about Liverpool and whether they've bottled it or. Well, 
Say, you know, say, you, throwing it away rather than Liverpool. Say we don't win it. You're doing what you've done. Say we don't win it because we draw one of the game and win another. So that's another yeah. four points. We'll be on 96 points, which was until last season that would have been the highest Premier League total yeah. ever. So essentially, um, we've genuinely raised the bar in terms of points for whatever reason. I know there's money and all that kind of stuff. The area of super clubs, but in terms of the the expectation, the points you have to reach, it, the bar has been risen. But for whatever reason, it's but it's happened. Is what I'm saying. Um, so yeah, I do think there's a, a lack of. Like, um, and maybe it's because people are bored of it and maybe it's the money thing or whatever, but there is definitely lack of people going to do that two scenes in a row is phenomenal. There's definitely no people in the, in the press saying that yeah. and there, there isn't. And I'm not bemoaning that because they understand Liverpool, maybe the more exciting story and they're weirdly perceived as the underdogs. And I, I find that a bit strange because they're yeah. not like the Prince, it's not the Prince of the Pauper, you know, like this is mean, the city. Is yeah, it? it's not. I mean, they're a massive club and like, um, they've got world records, uh, fees for players and all that kind of stuff I'm not saying they spend as much as City but they still like of course they could easily be up there with those points but anyway uh, yeah I do think there's an element of maybe we don't get the credit we deserve it's probably because of the, the money which is probably mm, fair I guess the point some fans are trying to make though I suppose is Manchester United finished a hell of a lot of points behind Manchester City last season in second position tell me more about that ago. yeah I remember yeah, yeah. of course uh, collectively <laughs> between the two clubs 181 points <laughs> which for the City of Manchester well, is, you know, well done us. United still finished second. <laughs> Liverpool could finish second with 97 points, one point behind or whatever. They'd still have finished second. That's it. That's yeah, the way it is. Yeah. Is it relevant how many points you get? Well, because is anyone going to remember in 20 years' time? Put it this way. People only ever remember who win things. As That's fan, what people are saying here. Yeah, but as a, as a fan, imagine you had the best season in your club's history um, and then you were just pipped by brilliance. Would you honestly say, I'm disappointed in my club? You'd be like... You did the best. We did the best we could, you know. Like, and I, I think, I, I think the game's about winning. There's, there's this sort of no, but it isn't. I disagree with that. There like, we go. No, I, I, I in general don't think football is only about winning. And you should know, as, as a Portsmouth fan, like you should know that football isn't only about winning. Because I grew up watching Manchester City be terrible for such a long time, and this idea that the success or your enjoyment of the game is only defined by winning trophies, I think, is um, what? Why do we bother watching 37 games of a season then? Because in that instance, surely just watch the final one and see where I, you finish. I get where you call it. It's not. It's not only about winning trophies but failure is easy to is measured deal by. with if it's been enjoyable to get yeah. to that point <laughs> okay it's not enjoyable it's stress it's turning me great but in general I can honestly say that I've watched the team battle and put everything into it like they are leaving themselves on the pitch you can be proud of the team yes sure. and that will definitely soften the blow and I wouldn't I wouldn't be calling for heads I'd be like literally got what would have won as a league in every other season apart from our own last season. Yeah, that's the points we could have got to. I 100% agree the board will see it as a failure. Um, but I think the board's expectation, the fans should always be different. I think they should be because um, we, we operate in very different worlds. And the day I want to start acting like a, the board as a fan, I feel like I'm, I'm it's going from why I watch football in the first place. Because I don't watch football just to watch my team win things. I watch it to enjoy it because it's a good hobby. It helps if we do. But maybe that's because I've been brought up as a City fan when we had nothing. So I can imagine for some younger City fans or some even older ones who just yeah. feel different. But to me, I don't know. I don't think winning defines a season entirely. It's a mm. bit, the major part of it, I agree. But put it this way, this loss of this league will hurt a lot less than our previous defence titles, which were shambolic under Mancini Pellegrini. This one, the players have been exceptional. I, they've just been phenomenal. Uh, so I'll be disappointed, but I'll be like... I won't feel like, well, if they turned you, you've up... You've got to be the most ultimate spoilt brat to finish on 96 points, win the title, uh, yeah. win silverware as well already, and start moaning. 
there, there'll know, be a happen and get, some people understand. Get the DVDs out of City of 91, <laughs> circa 98. Well, let's, let's have a look at some of the tweets that are coming into at MCR Footy Social. That's where you need to tweet if you want to get in touch with the show tonight. 87711 on the text. Josh Dyson says they are expected to win big this season and to potentially only end up with a League Cup would be a huge failure. Brian, who's a good yeah. friend of the show, says, yes, they will have failed if they don't win the Premier League. Failed as, as you know, you fan boys. Fa- failed <laughs> Brian. us all, plummeting us into a spiral of scouse torment. That's <laughs> yeah. Brian's view on the situation. And John Walker, John Walker says, points are irrelevant. It's not a first to 95 points wins the league or 40 to stay up. Only the league matters. And if you aren't top, you aren't the best. Yeah, but John, why, as I said then, why do you watch 37 games of the season then? If it only matters, just tune in at the end. Go to the end. Go to Watch a film and just jump, jump to the end bit. Don't watch the build-up. Don't enjoy the laugh bits. Don't enjoy the sad bits. Just watch the end bit if it's that simple. I agree. Technically, the only thing that matters is that, but football, is. I maintain, is so much more than that. Football is like, it's going to the games, it's standing there, watching uh, watching the football, enjoying watching great world-class players do incredible things. Like, there is so much more to football than literally just winning. And I, I'm probably saying this as some kind of self-defence mechanism, just to say me what feels like could happen. Um, but I still maintain that. Like, I've enjoyed do you know what, football. Do you know what it is, though, Steve? It's the nature of how you finish second. Like, in 2012... That season to me was the worst season of my life. Yeah, exactly. And I've seen United, I'm old enough to see United finish mid-table. Like, I'm, I vaguely remember it, Fergie's yeah. early, early days, early years, sorry. So 2012, even though we finished second by, was it goal difference or whatever it was, or a point? Yeah. Um, yeah. I've, I can't even remember. I've <laughs> actually banished it from my memory yeah, that goal much. Difference. Goal difference. It was awful because of the nature of, yeah, you know, of how it happened. So a lot of it is that. So for City, you can look at it. I think you'll be a bit more philosophical. For, I think for... Liverpool as well. In in many ways, they can be quite positive because they've come so far. Yeah, I agree. so I, I, it's almost like no matter what happens to these two teams, it'll hurt I more for us can, than them. I agree. I yeah, agree, definitely. I think I think you can stomach it because Liverpool. If you look at last season, I've never seen a team get to a Champions League final and lose and be so happy. Yeah. And I mean that. And you can cut all <laughs> scousers will be like, oh, he's having a dig. I'm not genuinely. When we lost no, the 2009, 2011 Champions League finals. It was awful. Yeah. I didn't enjoy it. I didn't look back with a bit of fondness. It wasn't about the journey. No, it was no. it was devastating. Mm. That's because the, you're Manchester United. Yeah. Like uh, Steve says, I'm a Portsmouth fan, so to even get into that situation... Yeah, I, get I saw it. a video earlier of Fulham yeah, but, celebrating yeah, but, but the but Europa League semi-final. They've won five Champions Leagues, yeah, so... Yeah, for sure. They've won it in well, 2005. Also, because so they didn't deserve to be there because they were terrible in the league. Not terrible, <laughs> yeah. but they were nowhere near yeah. the best team in the league, so I guess to them it was a surprise. So, they, mm. they you know, they buzzed off that, and yeah. I think they'll they'll be proud of the 90-odd points. They're already pulling out the stats. Well, they're back, so they're happy, aren't they, in general? And, you know, this team, unfortunately, this Liverpool team is going to compete for a few years to come, yeah. Just finalise my thought. Would I be disappointed and will it be a failure? Yes. Will I also be angry at the team? And mm. like, no. Absolutely. Nice one. So just a quick one before we do go to a break. Uh, Lick hit on Twitter says, should head-to-head record be considered first in the Premier League when two teams are tied on points with different goal difference? Head-to-head record instead of goal difference. Uh, I'm going to say yes because that means City win the league. So, <laughs> but that's the possible now anyway in terms of goal difference. And also, head-to-head <laughs> so head record or goal difference. It means I like the head-to-head record because sometimes you can have like a game where you get I don't know, no disrespect to him, but you get a Huddersfield who are down to ten men and you absolutely batter them twelve nil, and then you get a real game against your rivals where it's. 
Well, it's, I guess the argument genuine. could be that the other team should go and try and batter someone 10-0 as well, as whatever, yeah, couldn't they? I suppose, yeah. I mean... I don't mind goal difference, because it's one of the league, you know, so, like... Yeah. But I can't yeah. complain there, but, you know. <laughs> I'm really glad I bought two pounds at 12. That was my finest hour yeah, on this show, wasn't show it? You can't show that, doing it. I don't know what is up with me. Anyway, this is the Manchester Football Social. We've been talking about Manchester City, but after the break, we'll be talking about David De Gea. Is it time for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer to give the Spanish goalkeeper a rest? 0345 treble one seven six two five to call eight double seven. Seven double one to text, and we'll be back after this. Manchester Football Social. Subscribe to the podcast now and never miss a show. Manchester Football Social. Welcome back to the Manchester Football Social, your platform to have your say on your club, whether you're United or City, red or blue. This is the place for you to get involved with the debate. 0345 717625 to call in to text. It's 87711. And on Twitter, you can find us at MCR Footy Social. So we spoke about City. We spoke about their Premier League title race. We've spoken about Raheem Sterling. But now it's time to talk about David De Gea and Manchester United. In the studio, we've got Stephen McInerney. Hello, Hello. Stephen. We've also got Jay Motti. Hello, Jay. Hi, mate. You okay? I'm okay because I wanted to ask you about what you thought about the Chelsea game. You were there uh, yes. yesterday at Old Trafford and you actually said you were quite brave before the game. You said you feel like David De Gea should have had a rest before the Chelsea game. A rest? Yes. Wow. yes. That's a polite way that's of saying it. It's a diplomatic words, way. Yeah. You know, he's, he's a bit fatigued. Let's uh, <laughs> let's give him He's earned a rest. Yeah. No, we were having a chat on uh, Full Time Devils. We did a preview um, and one of the talking points was... The hey, and normally when we do our predicted eleven, nine times out of ten we don't yeah. mention the goalkeeper. You don't. You just move straight on to the, the, go, the day. The, yeah, gone. gone. Yeah, and um, we actually stopped and had a little bit of a chat about the goalkeeper because there was a bit of um, debate and argument about whether the hey should be taken out and Romero put in. Um, I wasn't on the preview, but I was watching it being filmed. And I, I argued the point of I wouldn't play. I've played the hey against Chelsea. and all people say, oh yeah, hindsight's a wonderful thing, but. He has been a liability. He cost us against Everton. I know not just him, the team collectively were awful. Um, City, can argue at least one, maybe not two goals. Yeah. Barcelona, again, I'm not saying we would have beaten them. And these but, are consecutive games yeah, as well. But these are easy the hay shots that he saves 99 times out of 100. And Ch- Chelsea was a must-win game for us. That was the the top four. It's gone now. It wasn't that was just those games. It's happened a few times during yeah. the season as well. Hasn't oh it? yeah, so it's been like it's, a season. It's and but, it's but it seems moment, to be coming yeah. more and more frequent. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, just stick Romero in because Romero is actually a good keeper as well. He's not like you know just there to make up the numbers mm. um, because we have to win this game. Obviously, and I, literally when we were arguing about this, Ollie did his press conference and said, "Day will be in." He's you know he's 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 a superb keeper, one of the best in the world, and all the rest of it. So I'm putting him in, and lo and behold. He spills a, a pass back almost yeah. from Rudiger, I think it was. And uh, Chelsea didn't really and, look and potent and, and, uh, up to then anyway, did they no, really? No, and it's, it's, it is worrying. And I think, I know the debate now is, do you drop him now? I think you could probably leave him in now because it doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah. I think the top four's gone and I think it's, it's sort of is shutting the door, bolting the door, is it? Before, is it shutting the band door before the holes? Is it not like, essentially, if you drop him now, or rest him, if you yeah. use creative words there. But like, in general, if you do that, if we, <laughs> if we oh, oh god yeah. that's, that's a good time oh. to change teams yeah. common enemies that's what's happened when you, do it. you yeah, start yeah, to getting spit you, know, you empathise with your captors and all that kind of stuff you start yeah. to feel sorry for them um, but in general like if you do that are you not essentially signing off on De Gea because he's still outside the contract you yeah. know well, it does no, compound the form and you're right there's no point now whatsoever really yeah because if you do it you could upset him you're obviously dropping him because you know he needs to be dropped 
we're not going to get top four anyway. So at least you could have said before Chelsea, which is why I was arguing, do it for the greater good because yeah, we yeah. have to get Champions League football. Now, obviously, we're not going to. But I don't see much point now. We've got, is it Huddersfield and Cardiff? Yeah. Really, even with the hate, not at its best, you'd expect us to yeah. have enough to beat those two teams. You think so? It, it just exacerbates a bad situation so yes. I would leave him in where do we think it's gone wrong with this then like do we think well, it's, it's weird I've got you theories have a theory. and, one of my theories in, I mean I think in general I, I can't fully remember the end of last season of United because I wasn't really paying too much attention because we were just harsh. coasting through the harsh <laughs> but, but I feel like the, the, the largely started <laughs> Three, the World two, Cup yes, <laughs> I have forgotten all about that it never happened uh, in general I, I do feel like it happened mostly during the World Cup there was a few mistakes for Spain and I started to wonder, this is just a theory, and it could be absolutely miles off, but for a long time, there's been no doubt that De Gea has been the best keeper in the Premier League. Um, I think in general, everyone pretty much, that was the accepted narrative up until 18 months ago or whatever, uh, maybe 12 months ago as well. Uh, But he's had two new people come in. Uh, Edison's come in, there's been like, uh, keepers have been a bit of a rock and roll position really, because Kepa's gone to Chelsea for loads of money, Edison came into Manchester City, uh, Alisson joined Liverpool, and they've come this era of like ball playing goalkeepers, and it feels like now, it feels like essentially that De Gea is from and I'm not saying it's wrong from a very different kind of era of goalkeeping as recently as three or four years ago where now keepers these days are expected to pass around a little bit and I, I wonder if there's a slight element of feeling a little bit like yesterday's man in terms of you've seen Edison and uh, Alisson change how the game is played in the Premier League and that's not an exaggeration it just is you know like it, the way they play in terms of keep it out and I wonder if when he's gone to the Spanish national team and he's uh, been expected uh, to maybe play a little bit differently that's I, will, I get where you're coming from I don't think the pressure's come from them I think the pressure's come from the World Cup in Spain I think he had a good season last season okay. he wasn't a worry for me at all last season he was the one thing I didn't worry about yeah. went to Spain went to World Cup with Spain didn't have a good good game and what I've always said the problem with David Hayes got when he didn't have a good game for Spain he hasn't got any Spanish allies in the press okay. if you play for Real Madrid you've got Marcia and you've got the rest of it they'll back you if you play for mm. Barca the Catalonian press back you play for United you have a bad game or a bad few he had a few bad games to be honest he was getting it from all angles and I don't think he's used to that as well because here in Manchester, A, he's been playing well, he and B, strike me as he's a, not. an extrovert. I know. Like, imagine no. he does get to him a yeah, little bit. I completely agree. And I think that might even be one of the reasons why he's not been so adamant about this move. I think if he'd have really pushed for it, I know there's the fax machine and all the rest of it. If he'd have really pushed for a move, he could have left United earlier. Mm. And I think he's been quite happier. And I think that might be something to do with the fact that he doesn't necessarily revel in all the pressure that comes with yeah. being Real Madrid's number one goalkeeper. Well, let's talk to Mark. We've got Mark on the line. Mark, do you reckon uh, that you go along with Steve's theory that because Edison and Alisson have been so good that David De Gea's just in standard? He's just sad. He's just sad now, isn't he? <laughs> um, no, I think it's just pressure's telling now. He's been carrying United for a few years and I say yeah. that as a United fan. Yeah. He's saved us how many points with unbelievable top bins, saves and everything and now We've just got one of the worst defences I've seen. I'm nearly 40 and I've never seen such a poor defence. <laughs> this is like Huddersfield Town. No offence to them for people giving abuse. But Jones, Smalling, Rojo, they're, they're, they're not Bruce Pallister even. We need a Roy, King, Roy Keane and a Yap Stam in there to literally grab someone by the collar of the neck and say, get in front of them, move them, don't let them onto this foot, that foot, like Ashley Young kept doing with Messi. And it's just, he taps them on the head enough times and they crack and something goes wrong. And I think... Now De Gea is thinking, oh, here we go again, and he's not getting things right, and he's putting it off. Or this, you know, things have changed too much. He's maybe overthinking. Right, someone's coming at me now, like the Sigurdsson goal against Everton. He just stood flat-footed because he, he he had too many things in his head, thinking he's going to go left, right, 
And in the past, he'd have stood patiently, waited and watched and saved it. But he just flapped because maybe he expected the defender to get there. Mm. There's just no cohesion between them at all. You can see goals are going in or corners are being conceded. And they're all just stood in the box pointing, oh, that was you, no, that was you, no, that was you. Just deal with it. Someone needs to get there and just grab them and bang their heads together. How do you see this playing out then, Mark, now in terms of De Gea's future? I mean, is there any doubt about it? Because obviously he hasn't signed the contract yet. Would you go along with Jay as well and maybe play Romero for the next couple of days or something like that? Or... But no, I, I sorry, I wasn't saying. Oh, okay. I was saying yeah before the it Chelsea game, I would have I would have played Romero. Yeah. But now I don't see the point in dropping to him. Okay. I'm obviously interested to hear what Mark thinks. Yeah, just for two games left, like you say, the one of you said, there's no point. Um, it's a little bit too little too late. I wouldn't necessarily have dropped him because well, partly because my feeling that he's a confidence thing and. It's not like it's a striker who's not scoring or something. Goalkeeping. My son's a goalkeeper, and he plays so much on his confidence. As soon as he concedes, his head goes down, and I'm having to shout from the sideline, look chin off chest, and look up. And I think if you'd have dropped him now, it's just like saying, right, see you later. It, yeah. It's a shame because I do really like Romero as well. I mean, in, in any other United era to have Argentina's number one sat on the bench, you just, you know, he, he would be the number one. Yeah. But De Gea has just been that impressive. So I'm nervous, but. I don't know, because Courtois has been poor over in Madrid, and that's obviously, like you said, where he's to and throwing to. When I went to the Everton match, I watched it with my dad, and my dad said, oh, he's, he's playing for a movie, or he wants, he's just, he's had enough, but that's not what you do. If you're <laughs> wanting a scout watching you, you don't flap and have a bad match. You, 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 you're amazing. So I don't think he's playing for a move. I think his confidence has gone, and even though it's two games left and it's too late to drop him hopefully again with no offence to the teams it's Huddersfield and Cardiff it's not Liverpool City Arsenal whoever that's going to really really threaten him so hopefully he needs these two games to show him that we still love him he's still United's number one and he's still going to play in the games unless he's injured Matt can I just ask you so interesting you mentioned yeah. Romero there now good he is and it sort of touches on Stephen's point a little bit Romero's very commanding in his box and he's good at his distribution yeah. do you think that's had any bearing at all because when Romero Romero's come in, he has done well. And do you think that that might be because the Hayes never had anyone around him really? Like sometimes it's human nature to maybe focus on your negatives yeah. of it when everyone's talking about it around yeah. you. Yeah. Even if you don't think it's, you know what I mean? Just Yeah. Because Romero's very good at his distribution. He's more of a like Edison type of goalkeeper. And I just wonder yeah. whether that's tried to make the Hay do things that he's not comfortable with. Maybe I mean, we don't know what goes on in training yeah. yet. Maybe he's become competitive and I don't know. Did they, they both speak Spanish? So you don't know what they're saying to each other behind the, the, the um, you know, behind the training pitch. But I, I don't think Romero's like that. But he had a, a shocker against Wolves in the FA Cup. He that's, conceded that's pretty much yeah. the same goal as Sigurdsson. Was it Yotta or wherever it was that banged it from way out? And Romero did the same stuff when he went in the near post. So I don't. I don't know. I don't think it's anything like that that is intimidated by him. He, he knows there is a good keeper, mm. but I think De Gea is strong enough. He is, like you said, he's an extrovert and he's, he seems like a very quiet character. Get him out away from the pitch and I know from following on Instagram, he's a Slipknot fan and he will go and mosh with the best of them. <laughs> <laughs> so think, we'll find him a Satan's Hall tonight then, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah he's what a guy. Getting, getting around in a box and like, having defenders bashing into him because he'll go and stand in a mosh pit and bash him himself. <laughs> um, Mark, if I had my... If I had my Ed Woodward hat on, I'm thinking, yes. I'm thinking, David De Gea is an yeah, asset. Yeah. If we're going to sell sponsored. him, the goalkeeping position is obviously, David De Gea on his day is absolutely world class. I don't think anyone's arguing yeah. that. But Romero is a very, very capable, more than capable replacement. Would yeah. that money that if they did sell De Gea, we'd be better invested in other areas of the pitch, bringing in those new centre-halves that you talk about? Um, it is, oh, yeah. Oh, well, not that United need to raise the funds for it, but yeah. 
it, I don't know, it's a hard question. Like Romero, I, I would be happy with him if, and because to see De Gea leave, but I've been through Cantona leaving and Ronaldo and Beckham leaving, so it, it would hurt, but you get over it and you move on. And he's a more than adequate replacement. Um, I think there's more outfield players that I'd rather get the money for and use that to strengthen the team and question the abilities of Pogba's and stuff like that. Maybe. But are we going to get Kepa figures for him? Will he sell him for 70 million? Especially yeah. after this last 10 matches. Well, I just think with the United, we was so about this earlier today, I think they've got a budget and I think if De Gea went out and we brought in money for that, I don't think the budget would increase. I think yeah. it'd stay. Say we go out this summer, we're going to spend 200 million. Whether De Gea leaves or not, we'll still spend that. Yeah, sure. And I think, exactly, if, yeah. yeah, so it's, you know, it's Glazenomics. I don't see them going, <laughs> oh, we've got 70 million, there's an extra 70 million, Ollie, yeah, to go yeah. and buy another group. I think you're right. I think it'll be either Romero and, you know, the lad Anderson as well has had a good season at Sheffield United. He's yeah, been on long. Keeper. Yeah, pro- yeah, not probably ready for United yet, but, you know, as a, as a sort of longer term thing. So, yeah, I, I, I don't see them, them spending. Just quickly, Mark, deeper. just quickly before we let you go, mate, we had a debate just before the break about whether City and whether they would have had a disappointing season if they don't win the league. Mm-hmm. What's your thoughts on that? Um, Disappointing, maybe, but they've won other trophies. I wouldn't see it as a failure because they've, Liverpool have just won more. Yet yeah, got more points. They've only lost one game. City have obviously lost a couple more, so they haven't failed. They've just been second best, even though <laughs> I've watched them rig United apart a couple of weeks ago. It's the same as Tottenham a few years ago. Tottenham didn't fail. They had their best year ever, but unfortunately, Leicester smashed it better than them. And that wasn't a failure for Tottenham. It was typical unlucky, the same as when Arsenal overtake them in the league. But I don't think it's a failure. No, they've just been... Annoyingly good, but Liverpool have been even more annoyingly better. Mark, I great just don't to want Liverpool to win it to level up on the Premier League trophy. <laughs> great to chat to you, mate. Thanks for calling, mate. Appreciate it. Thanks, Mark. No Cheers, Mark. Good stuff, Cheers, Mark. Good that stuff. was Mark calling into the show, the Manchester Football Social. If you want to do the same, oh three four five treble one seven six two five is the number eight double seven double one on the text. And carrying on with the United theme, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, he's going to know, and the board are going to know that there's a rebuilding job that needs to be done at Old Trafford. As a United fan, Jay, can you see the board investing in players? They have to. Surely the noise, the the banging of the drum from the fans is so loud now with the players yeah. like Young, Small and Jones, etc. They've got to spend money, haven't they? It would be, be blaringly obvious that they're not... Well, well, they they haven't they? That's the, the thing. Just, the, yeah, the, I mean, you know, the, the Champions League exit highlighted everything, didn't it? When you looked and you thought the, the, the fact that when we got knocked out to Basel or whatever it was in 2011, I think. Basel Brush. Yeah, well, may as well have been. We still <laughs> had Young and Jones and Small and in that team. Or was it, yeah, 2011, 2012, I can't remember. But um, what worries me is, and this sounds crazy, but bear with me, we could go out in the summer and spend 150 million quid. Now, when you say it out loud, it sounds like a lot of money. Well, it is a lot of money, but is 150 million quid in this day and age? The modern market. And how far are we off? We are off, sorry, from City and Liverpool. Is that anywhere near the amount of money we need to be spending? Because, you know, Chelsea went out and spent around 150 million pounds, and they're not even... Going to town, no, no. the likes of Bournemouth spent hundred million quid. So if we look at it, we well, need Fulham. And Fulham. Look what happened to them? Yeah, we need you know at least one mi- midfielder, maybe two. We need at least two defenders. You could probably throw in a winger as well. I think we need to be spending nearer to sort of three hundred million, four hundred million. And that might sound crackers, but the, the today's market. If you went out and you bought 
I'll say, you know, Kubalali's the one that everyone's talking about. He's being quoted as 90 million. Aaron Wambasaka, another one who's being quoted as 50 million. You bought those two defenders. That's 140 million. Sancho for t- 80 Sancho, 80 million. Oh. Coutinho, not going to happen, but 110 million or whatever. Just to buy four, three or four top quality players, you're over 200 and odd million. But is it too far beyond repair now, I suppose, is no, what I'm saying? With these no. players having contracts given out, I mean, yeah, okay, great, but no one's going to buy them. Who's going to buy Jones? Oh, sorry, you mean, I, I mean right, yeah, with the current in, in terms of going out? I mean, it, it, it's ludicrous. Some of the you need Sunderland back, don't you, to buy off your offshoots? Yeah, <laughs> 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 get him back in the Premier League. Where's Tony when we need him? And yeah. Fergie's just to get on the phone and say, "I've got a player for you, lad." It's called Danny Higginbotham. Yeah. It's gonna be great. Yeah, he's a Premier League title winner and everything. <laughs> he only played half a game, but don't worry about that. Yeah, yeah, those days are gone, um, and we have made a rod for our own back with some of these contracts. And if you're a, a certain player and you're on massive money at United, and you're not going to get it elsewhere, why would you want to leave? You probably mm. wouldn't. So it is going to be difficult. But if we're serious about top four, if we're serious about challenging for the, the title, we've for, got we've got to invest heavily. The thing for me, and I'm, I know we spent a lot of money, but it feels like sometimes you're not particularly creative with signings as well, and like it feels like they're quite obvious, you know, largely pr- pretty predictable. It's like the hot player at the moment or yeah. whatever. And there's, like, there's, there's no system. No, there's no, no process. I'm not saying process. City are like, it sounds like you're stabbing in the dark with players. Well, you look yeah, at, you know, you look at the um, Di Maria. We bought Di Maria, right? And I'm not exaggerating. We we were playing him as a striker at one point. Now, Angel Di Maria is a lot of things. He's not a striker. No. So you think, well, why, why did you buy him if that's what you're going to do with him? We bought Maron Fellaini. He was a number 10 forever and we play him as a defensive midfielder. Sanchez yeah, is a good sure. example. You didn't, Sanchez. You didn't need we didn't need him. Martial was flying. We mm. brought Sanchez. Mm. Dropped Martial, who then spits his dummy out because he doesn't go to the World Cup. Sanchez has a shocker and he's now nowhere near United level or first yeah. team level, I should say. It just makes no sense, and that, yeah. But on paper, you think these are good signings, but there's no system. There's not like we need this position. It's oh, like, there's a shiny signing. Let's get him. I reckon most fans of other clubs could tell you exactly what city you're going to sign this summer. They know what they're going to sign because City they do succession plan really well. Everyone knows the city probably needs someone to play Fernandinho, and they maybe need another centre back because Kubi's getting old. But you know that because essentially we do we plug our gaps properly. We spend a lot of money for as but we spend well. Like you need just everyone because this. Bunch of random signings. What what my sort of hope was a couple of years ago, I looked at that City squad, that City team, and I thought, you know, you spiny team, you look at company, you look at Silva, mm. look at Aguero. Yeah. I think when that's that they those players age, a Fernandinho I'd throw in there because I think he's very underrated, um, they're gonna struggle to replace him. Or when they hopefully, as a United fan, they'll struggle to replace him and that's when they might fade. But you have in a way, you brought in Bernardo well, Silva. Bernardo's bring, definitely the heir yeah, apparent, and you know, company. Sorry, the Stones and Laporte are definitely being groomed yeah, to take over. And you've, 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 there's, a, there's a cohesion there. There's yeah. a, a, thought, a thought process. Even Gabriel Jesus is obviously meant to be Aguero's yeah, long-term replacement. It, you know, it works. Whereas United looks at it and we're thinking, right? Part of the problem is, I think Jones and Smalling had flattered to deceive because, and uh, Johnny Evans as well. You thought when Rio and, and Vidic retire, those are going to step in because they've done a mm. decent job. Yeah, These yeah. are title-winning defenders, don't forget, yeah. who, who have yeah. looked the, the business. Well, if you're a United fan tearing your hair out at home and you want to have your say, you can do so. 0345 We'll talk about signings. We'll also talk about that controversial Leeds-Aston Villa situation right after this. <laughs> Manchester Football Social. Subscribe to the podcast now and never miss a show. Manchester Football Social. Welcome back to the Manchester Football Social. Niall McCorn here. Alongside me in the studio, we've got Steve McInerney. Hello. We've got Jay Motti. Hello. And we want to talk about 
the Leeds United Aston Villa situation. Yeah. Uh, but before we do, don't forget this show is available as a podcast, the Manchester Football Social. All you need to do is search that wherever you get your podcasts. If you're a big blue, then check out the Blue Moon Rising show, which we do on a Tuesday and on a Thursday. It's Jay's Boys, Full Time Devils. They come on and do a takeover and do a phone in. So go and search that Manchester Football Social wherever you get your podcasts. But let's get stuck straight into this Leeds United Aston Villa stuff. What on earth is going on? The sportsmanship, all of the rest so, of it. What do you make of it? So basically, if you, if you haven't seen this, just go and find it somewhere on YouTube or yeah. be someone will load it Sky or something like that. And basically, uh, Leeds, a Villa player went down, Leeds carried on. Uh, one of the players looked like he went to jokingly kick it out, but the other player kind of got the ball, ran through, and they put it in the net. And then Bielsa, uh, Leeds manager famously being eccentric, essentially ordered his players to concede a goal. One of their players wasn't happy and tried to tackle him towards the end, <laughs> but it was, I love that, by the way. But, yeah, but, um, yeah, it's obviously kicked off. It's been huge. And um, I'm kind of torn. I, I genuinely <sighs> think it's funny. So I want more of it because it's hilarious. <laughs> uh, I think football's more fun when there's more controversy. But I do agree this whole, like, you could just drop to the floor whenever you wanted to and abuse that system. This whole, well, like, unless the referee calls it, don't stop. Well, the play. rule, the rule is play has to stop if it's a head injury. Yeah, it wasn't a head injury. Injury. David Luiz did it on the weekend because Chelsea, I think it was Rudiger, had gone off and Chelsea were waiting to make a sub and they were down to 10 men at the time. So what he did was he fell to the floor holding his knee. <laughs> so it was like put the ball out and then when the player came on, he, he stood up straight away because they were obviously, they were playing with 10 men and he was conscious of the fact that there were a man down and wanted to get a sub made. Yeah. I was talking to you guys before off air about the 2008 Champions League final, how Chelsea and United kicks off because Chelsea didn't give us the ball back then mm. United didn't give it to them back and it ends with Jogba slapping Vidic getting sent off <laughs> Sorry, taking the penalty Jogba would have taken missing United with the Champions League happy days but I think it's not a head injury play it the whistle carry on this it's it's nonsense kicking feel, it out. It, I feel like it, it's the kind of thing now that it's because it's such a massive kind of um, moment and like it's got a lot of coverage attention that I think they'll redefine not redefine the rules but they'll make a statement about yeah. you know play you don't stop playing until until we say the referee so. blows yeah. his whistle and says right. Yeah, well, wonder if the w- rules will change. I think maybe they, they should be fine-tuned, not just for that, but for handball as well. we got David on the line. David, did you did you see the Leeds-United-Aston Villa situation? What did you make of it? Oh, I didn't see the door, mate. Sorry, so I can't really comment on it now. Oh, he hasn't seen it. Get you, on, get on YouTube actually. and watch it. Anyway, you're a, United, you're a United fan, aren't you? So what do you think about the, the changing of players in the summer? Who do you think needs to stay and go? I think we need a complete new spine. I've said this before. Uh, I think a new central defender, a, a good ball-playing midfielder, and, uh, and above all anything, what we've lacked this season, and everyone keeps, keeps forgetting, we don't score enough goals. We need a top-quality striker. We've flattered the disease, but from, we've got all these young technical players, but they don't score enough. It's not, as simple as that. Do you not think uh, Rashford's quite ready to be the, the main man? No. No, I don't think he'll ever be a striker. I think he, I think I think for I've said this before on online too. Uh, when he plays in the left for England, he's fantastic. He, he can stand defenders up, but he, he has his composure in front of goals. Shocking, Dave, he, Dave, you know, he, David. Sorry to interrupt you, mate. Um, you say about yeah. a ball playing midfielder. Did you see Pogba as that as that type of midfielder? I don't. I, 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 I came on a few weeks back about, about Pogba. I said uh, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be complaining if we sold him. And I still, I still maintain this now. I think the best we ever played was uh, from around about 2008 onwards till the, we had Scholes in a deeper midfield role who can play the passes and they also can play the short passing game around the box and that's where he built his reputation up around Europe. 
I think the, the best player in the Premier League, well, obviously, you know, you've got the likes of City, you've got quality players like your Silvers and Bernardo Silvers. But if you, you've got to come into that bracket, and he's not playing in the top six side. He's uh, Ruben Neves at Wolves. He's absolutely superb. And uh, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't complain if he went in for him. I know other people have talked about Taylor and some Leicester, another young quality player who can play in these deep and midfield roles. We, we just lack someone in that central midfield who, can, who has every type of passing game. You it's, say, you know, it's just that. You say build a spine, David. You say build a spine. Look what Liverpool have done. They've brought in Virgil van Dijk and he's made a mediocre defence look absolutely solid this season. Do you think United can sort of follow suit and bring just one defender in? Yeah, yeah, I think one central defender. Uh, I think I, I saw I saw with Bailey I, the first two seasons with Bailey. I thought he was superb at United. This season he's even way off the pace. Even under Mourinho, he was off the pace. And he, I think he came on against. I think he started against Paris Saint Germain the second leg away, and he came off injured. And yesterday was the first time this season I've seen him like the old Bailey. He was composed on the ball. He was a threat. David Luiz and Rudiger didn't even want to know when the corners were coming. He nearly scored. So I thought, yeah, and then he went and got his injury, didn't he? So we're going have to wait till summer now but I think we'll keep hold of Bailey you know Lindelof's done an alright season I think people go a bit over the top with Lindelof I still think he gets you know pushed around a bit as a defender I think a good quality centre half a quality ball playing midfielder and like I said a striker we, we are lacking goals the best thing I read last week I think was Cavani in the press we've been it's all linked all, you know all this all we've been keeping in contact but if Cavani became available we need a goal scorer it's that simple David, David great to chat to you mate sorry we got a go because we're running short on time but I can totally understand your sentiment thanks for calling mate yeah good stuff mate good stuff um, I just one thing I will say about that and I think Roy Keane mentioned it the other day and he sort of he got lost in a lot of what Roy Keane said but he said you know you, you have a back four a strong back four and it changes the whole dynamic of the yeah, team agree. and you look at what changes Guardiola made when he changed the back four you look at Liverpool I know you've said Van Dijk's changed the mediocre defence and I get where you're coming from but I actually think they're better than the mediocre with Robertson and Trent Alexander-Arnold well they begin the confidence as yeah. well by a, and I think, as a collective yeah. yeah and I think if we United can do that get that back four sorted it's a completely different dynamic in that team. Okay, well, let's talk about the uh, the Minnesota United fans who have been having a bit. <laughs> Can of we fun just say this isn't this isn't United fans from Minnesota? Is no, it? no, no, no. Because <laughs> yeah. you say it, I keep saying very niche this market. Is like the Minnesota <laughs> supporters branch. Yeah. It's and we're talking them. about the Vancouver Blues. It's, <laughs> it's, it's not them, and it's definitely not the Vancouver Blues. Uh, we're talking about Minnesota United FC right, from the MLS, and uh, this is what they've been singing before their home games. So their home end, the terrace big, end, is yeah. called Wonderwall because of the Oasis song, Wonderwall. And obviously being excess Manchester, Manchester-based radio station, we love a bit of Oasis and I'm sure a lot of City fans love a bit of Oasis. The Gallagher Brothers, Big Blues, of course. So if you could <laughs> they never change... It. They never it. mention it. No, 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 they never mention it. But if you could <laughs> choose to change your club song to something else, what would you change it to? I reckon you might need a bit of Slipknot for De Gea. It's <laughs> yeah, confidence yeah. up. There we go. So you are. Of, uh, make you feel a bit better. I think at the minute it'd be uh, What Have I Done to Deserve This by the Pet Shop Boys <laughs> for, uh, for the, when, when I'm sat in my seat. Um, yeah, I've, I don't know. I don't Currently, think about. I like, moment? Stone Roses, is Yeah, it? Stone Roses, I quite liked. I think I Want to Be Adored by the Stone Roses would be a better Stone Roses song than um, we have This Is The One at the minute, which is, you know, you can't go wrong with the Stone Roses, can you? But... Yeah, I'm, I'm not that bothered about songs before the game. Yeah, we we run out to Blue Moon. We've run out to loads of songs during my time. Like uh, we had the Black Rebel Motorcycle Club, which was um, Spread Your Love, which was really good. We had 
pounding by the doves quite a few times oh, yeah. and right here right now which I always love because it gets going um, I don't I don't know. I'm not really overly bothered. I would maybe just choose a song of mine that I like. I guess just choose my favourite song, like an Arcade Fire song or something. Like that. <laughs> but Burnley have that. Annoyingly, I went to Burnley a couple of years back, and they ran out to like my probably my favourite song ever, and I really hated them for it. I was like, "You're not allowed that. That's my song." Like not Burnley. What for? What, what have they got at your end of the next oh, awards? Mike Oldfield Portsmouth. This is like a <laughs> flute. Oldfield. It's like a flute. Ch- Jubilee Bells. Oh, it's, yeah. Yeah. Dream, mate. it's, it's a not full G- version. Yeah. It's three hours before. It's, it's, off, it's off the same album, but thankfully. <laughs> It's not tubular bells. Anyway, this has been the Manchester Football Social. My thanks to Jay from Full Time Devils. Anytime, always uh, a pleasure, lads. My thanks to, to Stephen from uh, Steam Company. Stephen McInerney from Steam Company. Thank you. And uh, don't forget, we've got uh, another show tomorrow. If you are a Big Blue, you can listen into the Manchester City Football Social with Blue Moon Rising. And if you're of Red Persuasion, it's Full Time Devils with the fan phoning on Thursday evenings, of course, 7 till 8 pm. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. This show, the Manchester Football Social, is available as a podcast. All you need to do is search Manchester Football Social wherever you get your podcasts. But I've been Niall, thanks for listening in and don't forget, we've got loads of shows coming up throughout the rest of the week. Manchester Football Social. Subscribe to the podcast now and never miss a show. Thanks for listening to the Manchester Football Social. It was a good show, that wasn't it, guys? Yeah, thoroughly enjoyed that. And don't forget as well, yeah. if you want to subscribe and all that kind of stuff, make sure you search Manchester Football Social on your podcast providers. And also search the Manchester City Social, where you get the Blooming Rising lads and the Manchester United Football Social, where you get Jay and his full-time Devils yeah. crew. But before we go, we'll have a, a little bit more talk, because you didn't really get to talk about the transfers properly. Mm-hmm. And obviously, I'm pretty happy as a City fan, because things mm-hmm. are pretty good for us. But you do need a massive rebuild, really. But realistically, Huge rebuild. People say that, but, but teams don't go and sign eight players and no. want something. So, the, you, get, you have to have a little bit of realism yeah. here because... only, only in the lower leagues where you get free transfers yeah, yeah. it doesn't happen now not doesn't gonna, it it's it's Harry Redknapp like, a lot, a lot yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. he's the one to rebuild United don't, <laughs> don't say that in case Ed Wood was listening and <laughs> writes that down Go on, um, just sign then if you can sign I like think we have to be realistic and I think you're right we're not going to bring in 89 players and get rid of 89 players even though I think most United fans would be quite happy if, if we did something as drastic as that Yeah. personally I've been saying I'm saying this on the on the podcast tonight defence is where we need to look at that I think it's not the answer to all our problems but I think you sort the defence out it makes such a huge difference you'll know Steve as when Guardiola made changes for years yeah. built on and obviously when, put Stones in the port and yeah, yeah when you, and I think Kyle Walker made such a big Massive difference, difference yeah, yeah. For, for you guys we've seen it with Liverpool Van Dijk Robertson Trent Alexander-Arnold and all of a sudden it's even our machinity was built on companies have a letter you know exactly. that lot. And, you who's know. coming in then come on who's coming in um, or who do you want for, to come in the, the, the man that I've been raving about all season for anyone who's bothered to listen to me is Aaron Wan-Bissaka yeah, I think quality, yeah. how did he not get in the team of the season by the way I think to be fair I think he was up them. against a good, a good one there a good player there but I'm not going to get into all that's a young thing but we know how old he is we need a right back who can get forward, who can attack and do the defensive part. And the thing I like about Aaron Wan-Bissaka as well is defensively he's excellent. Mm. He's not one of those wing backs who is a bit ropey at the back, but great going forward. He can do both. He can get forward and he can defend as well. He's a must-have signing for us. And then I probably you probably want a commanding centre-back. Alderweireld has been spoken about. Yeah. Makes sense release for the Woodward. Well. Release calls. And he's at an age where he comes in and he's ready. And right now, we haven't got time to be waiting for all these players to gel and to, to, to get used to the Premier League. We need players that can come in and do a job. So those are the two realistic signings that I want to see happen. Is Adam Wan-Bissaka and Alderweireld. And if you can add a couple more in there as well, I'd be... I'd be Happy-ish. Well, uh, that's pretty cool. Cheers, Jay. Well, we'll do. <laughs> well, it's great knowing for me. I'm like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> it's going to make no difference anyway. 
<laughs> but we'll go over it next week's show uh, in more detail. I'm sure we'll find more transfer rumours and all as the season ends. But thanks for listening, guys. Uh, my name's Stephen. That's been Jay over there, and that's been Thank now. You. See you soon. <laughs>